Welcome into the All Ball Podcast. We are going to be recapping the conference championship games like we normally do. Obviously, if you're hearing this, we're posting this on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. Some things change. George has to be traveling and, you know, we each have our own schedules. It's hard to always get synced up, but we're here and we're still going to yep. recap these games, even if it's a day later. They're still fresh That's, in our minds. Hey, still... it's all that matters. We're here. Exactly. Exactly. But before we get to those games, we're not only getting breaking news this morning with Tom Brady, we're even getting more breaking news as literally 10 minutes before we hop on this pod, 4.15 p.m. Eastern time. Brian Flores coming out and suing the NFL and the New York Giants, my team, for apparently racism when it comes to the hiring process and the Rooney rule, because the giants giants brought him in for an interview, but the day, a couple days before that, he got a text message from Bill Belichick, the head coach of the new England Patriots saying, congratulations on the, uh, on getting the giant job. I'm hearing from both Buffalo and New York, all of this, that you're going to get it. It was meant for Brian Dayball. And this was before a floor is even interviewed. So oh, he sent it to the wrong Brian. Yeah. And, oh and he knows, God. and he knows, and because Belichick had Brian Dable on his staff for a few years before he went to Buffalo, so that's oh. how he even knows him. So it's this back and forth between them. And after it all, he Bill then realizes, oh, I sent this to the wrong Brian, and he's like, didn't didn't mean this. So he used oh, okay. that. Okay, okay. There's so, a couple of other. There's a couple of other things. So basically, so basically to recap, because I heard of it. But I heard of it just before we started. I didn't get a chance to read the details. But basically then, Belichick sending out a congratulatory text before Flores, the black interviewee, you know, to fit the Rooney rule, has even interviewed. So, you know, a rule that's meant to be in there as a courtesy clearly is being taken to the extreme here as the decision had already been made. And and he'd been – and, you know, Dable had been informed that he'd already gotten the job. So, you know, obviously, look, you know, immediate off-the-cuff reaction. You know, when I first heard that Flores was suing the NFL – for, for the for the racism i'm like oh that's pretty soft again i didn't know any of the facts but i'm like you know it'd be hard to prove it, it's a it's a heavy allegation but this is kind of like i mean this is right in front of your face this is you know as clear as it gets and um you know that's that's a bad look i'm very interested to see how it develops um you know when i hear about the belichick thing i almost think like this wouldn't be like Sabotage. a sleeper agent like 4D chess kind of move against the Giants. What do you know? His kind of arch. No, because Bel Belichick likes the Giants because he got to start there. Right. Like with Joe Judge, he gave them the he gave like he was he like vouched for him when the Giants were looking for their coach last time. So I don't think Belichick's that guy. But like honestly, I will also like somewhat wouldn't put it past them just like to stick it to them for the two uh, the two Super yeah, Bowl the two losses. Super Bowls. So so like honestly, it's fair, but I still just think that the the track record that he's had with the Giants, where he got to start there under Bill Parcells. The fact that when they needed a coach, he very vehemently vouched for Joe Judge. And that's in part, I think, why he actually got the job a few years ago. The fact is, this is, I mean, and there, there were some other instances I saw, like there's a part about the uh, the Denver Broncos a few years ago when they hired Vic Fangio, they brought Brian Flores in. And the account is that John Elway and a couple other guys came in very disheveled, looked like they had been drinking all night and they were like an hour late. And they go into this interview with Brian Flores and it's like, okay, clearly they, he's just like, clearly they don't, they don't want to take this seriously. I'm just here to fill a quota. And they end up hiring Vic Fangio shortly thereafter. Right. Well, well, you know, the, the rule is such a challenging thing, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, you know, the, the whole like diversity topic and all that. I mean, look, um, I, I think it's undeniable that the, the ratio of black coaches to black players is off. 
Mm -hmm. um, I think we can all agree on that now. But at the same time, you know, forcing teams to interview one black coach, I'm not surprised that it hasn't yielded the greatest results because it's kind of like a it's a clear token rule. It's like you have to interview one guy. Um, and these guys aren't coming out of nowhere. It's not like when you're interviewing for a job and, and like you're interviewing for like a regular job and you're interviewing and you kind of just don't even know who these people are. You know, who you know, pretty much around the circles in the NFL, who are the guys that are actually candidates for the NFL for a head coaching job. And if you're bringing anybody in, you kind of know at this point, you know, you, you know, each of these guys, when anybody goes into an interview for a head coaching job, if you're brought in, or if you're in the circles there, you know who it is. It's not some random face off the street like it is with right. any other regular job. Yeah, so I just think, look, honestly, you know, knowing the, the if the text thing is real, the Belichick text thing, it's a really bad look. Um, and, and, you know, I'll be interested to see sort of how it unfolds. You know, I guess even when the Giants win, you know, you seem like it seems like it's a home run, right? You know, you get the GM, you get the head coach, both from Buffalo. It seems like a home run. Even when they win, they might lose. So very it's surprising because Brian Flores is a guy that I don't even think of as like a token guy. Like, oh, it's full of quota. That's a legitimate head coaching job that I thought that John Mara, like apparently had reached out to him separately before they even hired Joe Shane as the GM. Just like, hey, we're going to we're interested in you. We're, we're probably going to bring you in for an interview. It just didn't seem like it would be that case. But if these if these text messages are true, then that that's a huge black mark on that entire thing. Because, yeah, it definitely proves that before he even interviewed, if it's words getting around in, in circles that, you know, you're already planning on hiring Brian Dable, then this is it's a whole it's a total sham. And then there was right. one other there's other one other interesting part about it because he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins when they were in 2019, when they were tanking for Tua at the time. Apparently, the owner, Stephen Ross, was offering him $100,000 for every loss. Really? They lose a game. That, that's um, what he's alleging in, the, in this whole suit, because that's part of, like, the NFL part of it as well. You know, the, the, the dangerous part for Flores, now that he's also doing that. Um, it, no, it's blackballing the league. It's like, why would anybody feel like they want to trust he, you to be kinda, the head coach? You know, it's one of those, like, on, you know, for some people, he's going to be a martyr. And for some people, he's going to be the guy who was a promising head coach and it didn't go his way in Miami. But I think a lot of people would have liked him in his next stop because they have potential. Now it's like, why do you want this guy? Look, even if he's, you know, it's one of those like, um, it's like the argument against like four or against tattletaling, right? An age old debate that that four year old kids get into about tattling. And in the sense that like on one hand, well, yeah, you know, if someone's doing something wrong, you should report it. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, do you want someone that's going to, you know, rat for lack of a better word and do it that way? So, look, you know, I, we're not in the room hiring NFL head coaches. We couldn't be further away from it. Um, but it, it's uh, it's Wait, weird. That's not, that's not where you were traveling from? You weren't in, in yeah, the coaching was, rooms or head coaching actually, interviews? I was interviewing with uh, I was interviewing with with the Dolphins for their opening for their open head coaching <laughs> uh -huh. position. Okay. Well, the big news that, that broke this morning, Tom Brady. Finally retiring, 22 years in the NFL, the greatest football player in NFL history, greatest of all time. I don't think there's, I don't think either of us are doubting this at this point. Nope. We had thought this was going to be the case last week when Adam Schefter was breaking in and Ian Rappaport was breaking in. And then, you know, Brady came out and disputed it. And it all just felt like there's no way that both of these guys, the, the Titans in the industry when it comes to NFL breaking news and Ian Rappaport and, and Adam Schefter, that they were both going to be wrong about this, right? The, the, the funny thing though is, you know, the general consensus was like, yeah, he probably is going to retire, but he was going to wait till that February 4th date to get the signing bonus. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when we were talking about, oh, do you want to talk about Brady today? I was like, let's hold off on it until, you know, 
this is when this is on like last Thursday. I was like, let's hold off on it until we know for sure one way or the other, probably after this February 4th date. Sure enough, it comes around now that out today that he's retiring. I think honestly, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of like they agreed to just bump up the money for him. Something to that extent where he didn't have to like hang out in the limbo for another four days and he could just come out with the truth now. Um, as far as you look, undeniably the greatest player of all time. You know, I always sort of create a split in my head between greatest and best because is he the best quarterback I've ever seen play? I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure, but he's definitely the greatest because, you know, even if he doesn't make the craziest throws you've ever seen, even if he doesn't have the four, four forty, um, look, the, he's undeniably clutch. He has seven championships. We see how hard it is to win championships in the NFL. A guy like Rogers has one, a guy like Manning, Peyton Manning was lucky to get a second in Denver. Russell Wilson has one. Roethlisberger has two. Brett Favre has one. We see how hard it is. And then here's Brady over here standing with the seven Super Bowl rings. So there, it's no doubt. Look, it's a number that I don't possibly see ever being matched. Is somebody even going to win five Super Bowls? Honestly, you know, it's quarterback position. It's just, it's so, so difficult. It's just what a career. And it, look, I'm 24. It's going to feel weird watching an opening day with Brady not playing in it because he's been, you know, there for my entire life. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like these guys that we've had in our, uh, for our entire lives, big Ben, we're seeing leave Drew Brees last year. We saw leave Peyton Manning, Eli Manning for me, the past couple of years, like also leaving. And now this is like the last guy really, when you think about it, when, uh, when, like for your childhood, who's like been there. So the faces are definitely changing. And this feels like a very much changing of the guard over the past couple of years with those three major names in Big Ben, Phil Rivers as well, Drew Brees and Tom Brady heading out in consecutive year in two straight years. But yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I don't know if I can say, yes, that's the most talented guy. But, you know, I, I've thought about this over the past couple of years with, with Brady. And, you know, he is the perfect goat when it comes to the NFL. He's the perfect GOAT. When you think about the NFL as a whole, 30% or a third of the league is undrafted free agents that are on rosters. Tom Brady, a six-round pick. A guy that's not necessarily the most athletically gifted guy, the guy that's not throwing the ball 70 yards in the air or running the 4-4-40, but he's the guy that grinds. He's the guy that puts his team first, and he puts all the commitment into that and plays the game the right way. And he came out and just did what was needed to do to win. It wasn't the flashiest. When you think about the NBA, you know, the GOATs, whether it's Michael Jordan or LeBron James, those are two guys that were drafted first and third overall, two guys that were expected to be very good coming out of college. And for LeBron, it was like high school, this guy's going to be the guy. But for Tom Brady, this was a guy that was overlooked from the start of his career and then talked down upon throughout the entirety of his career when it became you know, is he better, really better than this other guy? Because, you know, Aaron Rodgers looks better when he plays. Drew Brees has better stats. But then you look at Tom Brady, it's like this guy keeps racking up wins because he does what's necessary. He takes the pay cut when it's necessary for his team. And it just, he just goes about it the right way when it comes to, you know, like the Facebook, uh, the Facebook show that he had where he would show you how much time he spends really looking at film. And it makes sense. It makes all the sense in the world that this guy is at the peak of where he is, despite the fact that when you look at his, his athletic profile and we all see that picture of him from the combine where he, he looks like a guy that you'll, you'll see him like your like your local uh, Walmart. But it's a guy that comes out every week and beats these guys that you might think are more talented. than him. Yeah, I think it's um. I think it's also been fun to see sort of the evolution these past few years. I think um, I think the Tampa thing did a lot for his legacy in a positive way. 
Um, and a lot of times you see that kind of backfire. You know, you see the picture of like Hakeem Olajuwon in a Raptors jersey. You know, you see Patrick Ewing in a Magic jersey, Michael Jordan in a Wizard jersey. I mean, I know those tapes have been wiped from wiped from existence, but it happened. And um, I think I think that you know it did a lot not only for winning the seventh Super Bowl and proving that he could do it without Belichick. And I've seen even the biggest Brady haters, some of whom that we know. Um, you know, come around on him and start to respect him after winning with Tampa. And then in addition to that, I also think personally it helped him a lot. Um, he sort of went from being the, the you know, the guy, almost like he was like on the dark side, if we're talking Star Wars or something like that. And, and he sort of, you know, came out and showed a lot of personality, did those funny videos with the bad boy for life thing. Um, you know, showcased a lot of like personality in the last couple of years. And he sort of went from being like a, a Michael Jordan cold-blooded killer type to a sort of, killer who also you know has a has a fun side and things like that so that i thought that was really enjoyable last year's in addition to all the great football he gave us obviously I mean, look he's so it's it feels like so easy to hate maybe that was because he was with the patriots but it's because they were winning it wasn't yeah. because of like him as a person and that's where you know i was talking to somebody at work and he's like you know when we saw that when uh after the bucks beat the packers i believe in the nfc championship game last year mm -hmm. he had that video on snapchat or twitter or instagram i forget and it was him and Gronk, and it's like the bad boys for life. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, this guy's so likable. Like, like as a course. person, he's a likable guy. But when you came come from that Belichick tree and the fact that they had all that success there, I don't think that'll ever rematch because when you look at that whole division where it allowed for such sustained success and it has to deal in part with them, but also has to deal with this the dysfunction of those other teams and allowed for them to get a bunch of buys in the playoffs. And then, you know, you get a home, you get two home games before you even go to the Super Bowl sets you up pretty nicely. They still have to go and get that done. Like we saw, and we'll get to the Chiefs, and we saw with the Packers, and we saw with the Titans. It's easier said than done. Yeah, see, I was about like, to – They were still set up there. It really does transition well into the Chiefs, and, and if we have any, like, final Brady statements, we can make them. But just real quick on the Chiefs, it's just like, you know, this is a team you were like, okay, they're about to win every Super Bowl, and the dust has settled – and in four years, you know, of making AFC championship games, they made two Super Bowls and won one. And, and it just goes to show like Brady, you know, you're already behind Brady on pace, 22 years, seven rings. You're winning a ring every three years. So a guy like Mahomes is already, you know, he already needs to catch up. He's already behind, you know, on pace. And it just goes to show really, I don't think people realize how many Super Bowl seven is, or maybe they do. But when you put it in perspective of like, there's no other quarterback in our lifetime with three. And granted, that's because of Brady has so many. But again, a guy like Montana, who I believe has four, maybe five. Yeah, and, and five. And, and that's the second most. And then he's like well clear of, you know, a couple guys have three, or like Terry Bradshaw has three, and then maybe a couple other guys. And it just uh, seven is a lot, a lot, a lot of championships. And the league is a lot more competitive than it was in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So I just – look, I don't even think – a guy like Mahomes, you know, if this over-under of Super Bowls a couple years ago was four and a half or five and a half, I think it's probably more accurately now. At, you know, even three and a half feels high. Like, because if he wins three, that's a very successful career. It's probably over-under, I mean, two and a half feels light. It's probably yeah. over-under three flat, like three pushes for his career, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair number. The last thing I'll say about Brady is, you know, I, the, the thing that people have talked about is, he felt like the guy that would want to like, wouldn't leave until he left on top. He wouldn't leave until he won that last Super Bowl. He could ride off into the sunset like Peyton Manning did, like John Elway did. But I mean, this guy in four at 44 years old, he has more touchdown passes than Joe Namath since he turned 40 that Joe Namath had in his entire career. This guy has still had the most passing touchdowns, most passing yards in the season. And his last touchdown pass, a 60, like a 50 yard bomb to Mike Evans, where he beat Jalen Ramsey on a perfect pass. 
Like yeah, this guy think, is going out on top as much as you could outside of winning the Super Bowl, I think, or even like going there. But this is a guy that's still at the height of his powers. I don't think he wanted to. I think the family part had to deal a little bit part with it. But I don't think he wanted to get to the point where he was where Peyton was. Like as No, or, or even Big Ben or Eli Mayak. Yeah. I think, I just think, or even honestly, frankly, Drew Brees, who, who really struggled yeah. in those last couple of years. I think, I think that, I think that he probably went to Tampa with the intention of giving it about three years to try to win a Super Bowl, and maybe even somewhat surprising to himself, he happens to win it immediately. And then I remember, I, I remember vividly in that Super Bowl, um, you know, where they're all standing on the podium, like after the Super Bowl, and he's like, "Oh, we're coming back, we're coming back," because while he is a guy who wants to go out on top, at the same time, going out on top is arguably a wasted opportunity. Like Michael Jordan, when he retired, so Michael Jordan retired three times. The second time he retired too early. Like he probably shouldn't have gone out after the last shot because this guy had an opportunity to keep going. If you go out on top and you're at the peak, you're at the height of your powers, you're kind of like, like you're, you're, you're leaving too early because you have an opportunity to keep going. So this time, the way he does it this time is he wins the Super Bowl. He's arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I think honestly, if you take a deep dive, this Bucks team is probably on the decline and he's probably a bit on the decline as well. And it just, you know, like he, he had, one of the greatest almost comebacks ever. He goes out on top, maybe not on the throne, maybe not like, you know, the king, but he goes out amongst the top. And I think for a, a competitor like him, I think that's, you know, that's all you can ask for, really. Agreed, agreed. Now let's get to the conference championship games, starting off with Kansas City just yeah. completely collapsing. I didn't think it's, this would be the case. I did not so, think this would be, be it's, the it's case. So, so we were, you know, we were arguing about it and it was getting a little bit heated on Thursday. And, and and, you know, you, you're doing the whole, you know, Joe Cool angle, which I thought was getting badly overplayed. And and I was like, you know, the Chiefs are back. And after I'd been ripping the Chiefs all year, but I'm like, finally, I'm buying back in. And I'm glad I didn't send you a text in the first half because I almost did when it was 21-3, you know, sending the effect of like, you know, just, you know, basically rubbing it in the fact that the Chiefs were about to win by 25 points. And I think, I think you have to start with the two things at the end of the first half, the broken screen pass to P Ryan that went to the house and multiple missed tackles there. And then of course the absolute meltdown on the one yard line with nine seconds left where you throw one in completion and then you throw it in bounds and all of a sudden the half's over, you walk away with nothing. Um, I think the that first has thing, to- Well, the first thing I want to say is it's like the Bengals. I mean, their story all season has been the slow starts and that's what this was. Yeah. This was another slow start to begin the game. And they, and we thought the chiefs had buried them and it cut and it leads up to that last point where they're at the halftime, they could go up 24 to 10. Instead, they get a little greedy, and they end up being only up 21 to 10. And this was, I think everybody at the time had kind of noticed it a little bit. They're like, you know, that might be a turning point. That might be a point where we see it. So bad for momentum, just so bad. And you, But you also think about, you know, it's the Chiefs. This isn't an offense that goes stale, but that's exactly what happened. And that that whole play is on Mahomes. It's nobody else but Mahomes. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to say, like, Tyree Kill should have knocked it down. That's just, like, that's just not what he does. Mahomes no, because if you're Tyree Kill – you believe in yourself that if I catch this, I can get in. So you can't expect him to knock no, it down. And he's not looking behind him to see, oh, there's two guys in front of you. Like Mahomes right. should have saw that. So it's on Mahomes. It's not on Andy Reid. I thought Andy Reid, it was a smart play to try and go for the seven because when you're that close, the difference you when you get two, like pretty much two extra points by getting those four yards and you still like, you're not, you shouldn't be screwing yourself and you have enough faith in Patrick Mahomes to not do what he did. I don't blame Andy Reid at all. It's on Patrick Mahomes that he just... It was just a brain fart. He got greedy. And yeah. then I felt like we've seen that time and time again throughout the earlier mid parts of the season. We hadn't really seen it. So it's the later half and well, he was, up this game. Well, he was so locked in in the first half. And, and that's sort of what I'm alluding to when we were talking about Brady. And I said, look, Brady might not be 
the greatest and best, I always break it up because honestly, Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. And it was reinforced in the first half of this game when he was 13 of 14 for three touchdowns at some point in the first half. I'm like, this is the greatest, this is the greatest guy I've ever seen. He, he escapes everybody. Every throw is perfect. And then it all, you know, it all comes crumbling apart in the second half. And that's why, even if he's the best guy I've ever seen, I just have a hard time thinking he's going to be the greatest because that wouldn't happen to Tom Brady. That's what, that's why there was always the Rodgers debate. Like his Roger, because Rogers does these things like like you see from Mahomes, but Mahomes even to a, a bigger uh, extreme. But yeah, those are the guys where there leads to like my eyes are telling me these guys are the best players. But when you go to you know the accolades and when you see what Brady does and to the extent that the difference is between him and those other guys, it's hard to say that any of those can compete with him for greatest of all time. But I test when you look at it, it's like. These are doing. These guys are doing things. They can do what Brady does. Maybe not to the extreme of him, but Brady won't even come close to the, some of these things that you know, these other guys like, can do. It's like so. I watch Mahomes, and I'm like, this guy's better than Brady, and I really do believe that. But he's not. He's not going to be above him on an all-time list because, again, that just would never happen to Brady. That sort of that total meltdown in the second half. And yeah, we could talk about oh, the Bengals were bringing three and dropping eight, and it's a unique defense, and you know this, that, and the other, and and. I just, I just, you know, the Chiefs, everything, all the good that the Chiefs had accumulated in the second half of the season in terms of learning how to take what was given to them, it's like they, they, they just forgot all of it and said, we're back to the team that just throws 30-yard bombs into double coverage and, and praise, and I just couldn't believe it in real time, and it just it got worse and worse and worse, and then you got to give, of course, a lot of credit to the Bengals, again, for the defensive scheme, even if it was a Chiefs meltdown, look, someone has to cause it, and it was the Bengals, and, you know, they came back and they did what they had to do. They scored enough points to win the game. And so you got to give a lot of credit to the Bengals as well. But for me, it was more about the Chiefs losing than the Bengals winning. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough for me to say that. I like. I'm not going to say the Bengals went out and just grabbed it, grabbed that one. They right. they kept themselves in that game, like we said, towards the end of the half, where the P Ryan touchdown sets them up 21-10, and even when the Chiefs, like they were all the, the entire first half, they moved the ball down the field on them. They held strong at that at, at that crucial point. And then out of the half, they came out and stopped them three and out. And then they went down. And, you know, that's where it's like the Chiefs definitely had moments there, like the end of the half. But there's also those points where it's there's a whole second half to be played. And the, the Bengals really went out and, and won and dominated that second half. So I, I I get the point of, you know, the Chiefs kind of lost it. There were definitely points to that. But there was also, yeah, I, I feel like that's doing a little bit of a disservice to the Bengals and what they were able to do in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, of course, you know, it's not it's not 100 percent like no. the Chiefs lost. You know, it's probably like, but I, I definitely, you know, place more of it on the Chiefs. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, just to sort of eulogize the Chiefs season, it was like, you know, I, I just kept thinking that that the, the, the midseason form, that the struggles would come back to bite them. And then, you know, finally, I'm just like, all right, screw it. It's not going to happen. And then sure enough, it happens in the most pivotal spot. And so I think, um. Yeah, I think I do think it's timely and all this stuff with Brady. It's just so interesting because this is a guy who always delivered. And then the Chiefs, you know, they, they kind of have it delivered a couple times now with, uh, you know, especially in these last two years, they they totally just didn't show in, in the Super Bowl. And then they, um, you know, this is just this is really an epic meltdown. I mean, this is one of the worst meltdowns you'll see. And even if the Bengals do deserve a lot of credit for it again, for me, it has to start with the Chiefs. That's what's so tough about this because I could never see like I see those teams collapse and I feel like it's like you, they just don't do it with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Like that's that that was the, the that was the more shocking part of it. It's like these guys with like 
like I don't see Rogers blowing these insanely like where right. it's like an entire half. You have an entire half. I get like the last set, like it, it just felt like they're, they're these other teams don't really do that like with these elite quarterbacks, and that's where it really was a shock to me in this one. And I like the point they were bringing up, like you know, this is a four year run with Mahomes as the starter. They've got one Super Bowl, two Super Bowl appearances, four AFC Championship appearances. Like the one thing I will say is that that Super Bowl against the Bucks, I don't. It's tough for me to put anything onto him because they had two left tackle, two of his tackles out, and that and that Bucks defensive line was in the backfield. No, honestly, he, he was unbelievable so in that game. That, yeah, know, that's where it's tough for me to say. It was like, one of the more impressive nine-point performances you'll ever see. You know, you think about the play where he was about to hit the ground and he throws like the total submarine yeah. one and it hits off the guy's hands. I mean, you know, that's the funny thing about Mahomes and Rogers, honestly, you know, they both like their incompletions look so great, you know? Um, yeah, I agree. But now he's gotta... the, like the Brady completions are a little more boring, but <laughs> Hey, they're completions. And yeah. I, I guess that's sort of the difference between them. No, I agree. But that, now we got to look at the chief, the chief for your run. And it's like, did you underachieve? And I, I think when you just, when you look at it, because I'm not talking about like, if you brought that up with any other quarterback or any other team, I'm not even, it's not even a question, but this is a team now that we can look back in hindsight 2020. I don't want to necessarily say that the, the Super Bowl last year was one where they underachieved because I, again, I think the odds were just stacked against them with those two, with their offensive tackle situation against that Bucks team. Like I didn't think there was any chance they were going to win that. I one. think, I think, you know, the first, like the first year, the, the, the New England AFC championship game, yeah. I mean, that was an overachieve because that team came out of nowhere. And, you know, well, I mean, they were good the year before, but then like, remember that's Mahomes' yeah. quote unquote rookie year. Yeah. And so, yes, they were a playoff team before, but I thought making it that far was an overachieve. Um, the year after, obviously you win the Super Bowl, that's an overachieve. Then it was probably like a, you know, a proper amount of achievement losing in the Super Bowl. And this year is a slight underachieve all in all. I would say they're, they probably look one Super Bowl in four years is, is very, very solid. Now, the sad thing is like Kelsey's getting older. Hill's getting older. Who knows how long Andy Reid's going to coach for? And so I just think, um, you know, you, again, it's so funny because this is right in the wake of Brady retiring where it's like a week ago, I would have said the Chiefs are a no doubt five Super Bowl win team. But I just sort of remind myself how hard it is. That's why I set the number at three now. You know, two more probably in Mahomes' career. I think feels like the right number. And it just it's so freaking hard to win these, man. And you also look at, I mean, I know like you look at the other quarterbacks in that conference. You got Josh Allen, like we saw two weeks ago. We got Joe Burrow, like we saw this past week, who was yeah. actually, and we'll we'll get to him in a second. Of course. We we have Justin Herbert. We have guys emerging, and there, there's just more guys, and we could have potentially Deshaun Watson, like Deshaun Watson could still be in the conference. We yeah, have Aaron Trevor Lawrence, over. if you like him, you know. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson could be coming over. So there's all these guys coming in there. And like you said, Travis Kelsey's gonna be 33, turning 33 early next season in October and you have Tyron Matthews set to be a free agent these guys are getting older and up there and now you got Mahomes in that 50 million dollar contract 50 million dollar a year contract which again you give them you don't blink you don't think twice but you know that's still going to hamstring you obviously compared yeah. to what he was making before and you have to worry about you know you got Burrow on a rookie deal Herbert on a rookie deal Josh Allen's got a couple more years on his rookie deal or a year left on his rookie deal so with all of that this team I I don't want to, like, I'm not saying the window's closed. I'm just saying this might be the the peak of where we see this team when it comes to a four-year stretch. Yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely possible. I mean, you see what happens with the Packers where it's like you get all your money tied up in Rodgers and a couple other stars, 
And there's a reason that they have trouble sort of filling in the gaps in a lot of their positions a lot of the times. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the same fate sort of befall the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. This Bengals team, because this is the team that obviously won, you know, this team epitomizes why I absolutely hate when bad teams or teams like fans for bad teams actively root for their teams to win to set a culture and a foundation for like a culture pretty much. Because when you look at this team two years ago, two and 14, you're telling me if they won one more game in week 17, it would be all the difference in the world. No, the difference was they got the number one overall pick and they got Joe Burrow. You're telling me last year, if they won an extra game or two to set the culture, even though Joe Burrow's out, it would have been better. No, because then you don't get Jamar Chase. And both of those guys Mm -hmm. are the reason why, or two of the biggest reasons why they are now in the Super Bowl. So when I think about it, you know, as a Giants fan the past couple of years, people are like, oh, let's set the culture. Let's like, like, let's get some winning here. I'm like, you know, you know what actually like fixes the culture where, you know, what actually helps the team. You get good players. That's it. And that's what happens when you actually lose the games you're supposed to lose at the end of the season. I'm not saying players tank or they should be tanking. I just think it's ridiculous when T when when fans just think, oh, this week 17 or 16 win in a in a lost season is so good for this team and so good for morale. No, because then you miss out on good players because you move down in the draft. But you know, this Bengals team, this was this this is the story of the season that this team that I know I thought were were the worst team in the division when we did our preview in the beginning. I forget what you ended up saying, but you know, the emergence of all the guys they have there. We said Joe Burrow. I mean, there was a couple of plays in this one where, you know, he's wrapped up for a sack and then he breaks breaks free of it and goes for three three or four first downs, I think, was the number. You got Jamar Chase, who, even though he was double team, still makes an impact like that touchdown he had uh, yep. in the third quarter or just in general as the game went on, he was able to find his spots. And then, like, a T. Higgins, because we, we Chase rightfully gets all the praise And he is the wide receiver one on this team. And he's probably a top five or top 10 wide receiver right now in the NFL. Mm. But T Higgins continues to be one of the more underrated players in the NFL at this point. This guy continues to come up with big play after big play. Like we saw against the Titans, like we saw in this game, like we've seen throughout the entire season, especially in the games where chase might be, you know, the focal point of a defense to go out and stop him. And, you know, they got Jamar chase. Who's the wide receiver one on this team. But T. Higgins is a wide receiver one. That's also on this team. So you got two really explosive and probably, when I think about the landscape of the NFL, this is the duo that I would like to have for the next five years, no doubt. The the we were talking about Higgins and Chase or Burrow yeah, and Chase. Yes, yeah. Higgins and Chase. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think that I think that's pretty fair. Um, yeah, Higgins has been great. You know, a thousand yard season, stepped up big. We knew someone was going to have to step up, a la Gabriel Davis last week. Wasn't quite to that extent. I mean, granted, this wasn't quite the shootout <laughs> of last week. But look, Higgins, a lot of big third down catches. You know, he had a couple big leaping grabs. Yeah, I thought, I thought, you know, kudos to Burrow on one hand for escaping the Chiefs pass rush. Uh, got to knock the chief pass rush a little bit though i mean we saw what tennessee was able to do the week prior and just you didn't even come close to that no pressure at all really for most of the game and i thought that was pretty disappointing if you're a kansas city if you're a kansas city fan um no but i think i think yeah you got to give a lot of credit to the to the Bengals. look and this is a whole team that was questioned you know burrow oh is is he going to be healthy you know they have no offensive line oh they shouldn't have taken jamar chase they should have taken the o-lineman you know mixon isn't that good zach taylor is going to be the first coach to get fired this defense is below average and and that all ended up not being true you know they drafted a kicker in the fifth round this guy's the second best kicker in the league already um like and and it all worked out yeah yeah this team has a lot of holes in it their offensive line isn't that good but the, the reality is they're in the Super Bowl somehow, some way, and they took a really difficult road to get there. You know, they were in a really good division. And yes, all three teams arguably under delivered. 
um, safer maybe the Steelers. You could say they were probably about what you thought they'd be. Yeah. But, you know, the Browns definitely underdelivered. The Ravens underdelivered. But they were both good teams, 500 teams, and they won that division, um, a division they hadn't won in a long time. They beat the one-seed Titans in Tennessee, and then they beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. You know, and I just think they took a really difficult road to get there. And while this team you think will be good for a while, look, you never know. You never know when you'll never be back. So at this point, it's not house money. You know, this team has every right to believe that they can win the Super Bowl because honestly, um, they're here now. And between Burrow and Stafford, you got to feel a little bit better about Burrow in a big game. Trust him a little bit more. You know, um, I think he's probably less likely to make the mistake that's going to kill your team. So I think you have to feel a little bit better about Burrow in this game than Stafford. I mean, I told we what got a little heated last time was I was talking about those got to have a game. <laughs> yeah, well, you were bringing up too much college know, stuff for me. But uh, the reality is, we don't need to get back into it. He's but... delivered in these pro games, and, and that's really all that matters. Yeah, I mean, first off, yes, not definitely not Chris Jones. There was one where he he completely had him wrapped up, and then almost had him a second time. It's just like, come on, and like, look, they, they didn't need on. to be as dominant as you know, the Tennessee Titans were because the Tennessee Titans were just – You didn't need nine sacks, but could you get four? Like, they, they, like they, there were points there where, they, like, where he escaped them, and those would have been timely sacks that I think would have gotten right. them off the field. And that's where that would have been enough if you converted those, but they didn't. And the fact that they weren't as consistent as Tennessee was, it made those glaring mistakes where Joe Burrow is able to get out and scamper for a first down even more glaring when it came to the overall – you know, when you look back at it, why the Bengals were able to come back in this one. Um, you know, I, I just, for this team, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they're just like, I, I don't want to say if they're too young for the moment, but the fact is you look at this Rams team and w- I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's just like, you don't want to act like you're playing with house money. Cause then I think you get a little, you know, flimsy with it all. You're just like, okay, willy nilly we're here. We'll probably be back later or whatever. And I agree with you. You, you never know if you'll be back, but the age factor of this team and the fact that, you know, we, we rattled off three guys mainly on the offensive side where, you know, they're 25 at, at the oldest, which is Joe Burrow, but he's only in his second year. When you're going up against a Rams team that, you know, has a bunch of veterans there. I think that's something, definitely something to consider when it, when it think, comes to us previewing this game. And, later and, we'll, and we'll save most of the preview for the Super Bowl, but there is one thing that I have to say. So who, do, who did you take? I don't remember. Who did you like last year in the Super Bowl between Casey and Tampa? I like Casey. Yeah, I went, with, I went with KC, too, and my rationale was like, when it comes down to it, take the team with the better quarterback. But the reality was, Tampa was better everywhere else. And the quarterback, yes, Mahomes was better than Brady at that time, but it wasn't significant. And I sort of feel the same way, and, what, and this is why I'll probably end up taking Rams for the game, is that, yes, as I said, I feel better about Burrow than Stafford. Now, admittedly, it's not a giant gap. It's not like I hate Stafford, but I definitely feel a little better about Burrow. But the reality is, you could make a case that the Rams are better literally everywhere else. Everywhere else. I, I think I think you can def, def, definitely have like like you think wide receiver and you're like, you know, Cup is better than Chase. Even, I love Chase, but Cup is better. I think it's on, I think they're on like a similar level. And well, then and, oh, Higgins, I, Odell, I I'd give a slight Odell edge to nice. I'd give Listen, a slight, we have to talk about Odell in this next game. Like yeah, I'd give, really, really give a slight edge. I give I give a slight edge to T. Higgins. Oh, really? Him and Odell. I can't but you can't how can you say that that uh that that chase is better than cup. I'm not saying he's better. I just think they're on the same level. I think it's in like a oh, tier. Okay. I would probably put, I would put cup probably ahead of him right now, but I don't think yeah. it's like to the point where it's, I, I think it's around even where 
the difference between Tay Higgins and Odell is probably around the same. Like, you know, the difference. Between yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, so, yeah. And even if you could call a couple of those spots, even, although, um, you know, we'll see with Uzama. I guess we'll also have to see with Higby. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting that both of them lost their yeah, tight end in early think, parts of this game. You know, you got to like the Rams O-line better. Um, running backs, you could pretend you could probably give to the Bengals. Yeah, but like, you got to give most of those, you know, most of these defensive spots, you got to give to the Rams too. And then I think ultimately they are, for the most part, the better team. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves no. and we'll save most of this for next week. But, you know, that those are sort of my early impressions on the game. No, those are fair points. Okay. San Fran Rams. Rams yeah. finally breaking through and beating the San Francisco 49ers. San Fran, like I said before, when Jimmy G plays against plays with Kyle Shannon against Sean McVay. They were 6-0 straight up and 5-1 and against yep. the spread. Finally, seven times the charm. Seven times the charm. And, you know, Stafford, you were talking about before, this is a guy that finally is starting to break through and and kind of validating why what we all thought about him coming out of Detroit, which is, you know, that the franchise was holding him back. This is a guy that can actually go and do things in the playoffs and win games. He just needs to be around a better organization. That's what he's doing. He isn't being a world beater right now, but when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, he was absolutely money. And then fi- finished off with that, you know, that nice pass to Cooper cup on that last drive. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, we throw around like, Oh, this would be an all time loss. This would be an all time collapse way too often so i won't do that but i will say if they lost this game it would have been a, a horrendous loss i saw a tweet at one point during the game and it was like how are the 49ers winning this game it was when it was like 17 7 and, and it was just like how are the niners winning this game and it was true like how are they winning the game you know you had the really bad pick on the goal line you had the field goal that missed by a mile and it just it felt like the rams were dominating the game you know they had you know three to one in terms of time of possession for the majority of the game and yet here they were trailing and so it was one of those where they were clearly the better team, and yet it took them till the very, very end to actually win the game. And so that on one hand, that says a lot. It says a lot about both directions. I think they clearly deserve to win the game. On the other hand, they're susceptible to fucking up, but I think we already knew that. But at the end of the day, they did pull it out. I feel like the Niners do that a lot to you, where you, you go 100%. into the half where you think the other team should be winning, but the Niners kept it close or they're winning towards the end of it. I mean, how did the 49ers beat, beat the Packers? You have yeah. to ask yourself. There was and, the, and, the, and the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I thought. No, I th- yeah, they, they, they. I think they, I don't know. It's just that team. <laughs> that, that, yeah. I think that's just as simple as it gets. Where this is the type of team where they just they just don't get beat by a lot. Like they'll right. always keep things closer than what they need to be in until the last moment where you make them where you make them make a play, and that's what it came down to. And what you know has hurt Jimmy G throughout his entire time, and why they brought in Trey Lance is that when things get muddy. And he needs to make a play where it's not completely set up for him and perfect. He's not able to. And that's what it came down to on that last play. You had Von Miller beating their right tackle pretty easily. And it pushed him up in the pocket and Iron Dolan's right there. And he's just not an athlete that can get around and get away from those guys. And that's what forced him into forcing the ball to Jim Michael Hasty and, and an Aaron pass that got tipped off and picked and sealed the game for them. Right. You know, it's just... You look at what like Joe Burrow does, Joe Burrow did in like those moments. And that's where you look for something more from Jimmy. And I hate to be like just anti-Jimmy because I thought Jimmy throughout the entirety of this game was very solid. I thought he was very good up until, you know, the last two drives. But when you think about it, that's where this game is made. That's where the money is made is the last two drives. Because if you look at it, he's one for six for negative three yards and an interception. No, it's, it's just, it's just tough because, because, you know, we hold every quarterback to the standard of being a top 10 guy. 
but there's a reason that it's called top 10 and that's because there's only 10 of them. And so admit, you know, 22 teams are going to have teams that aren't those guys. And I like Jimmy G he's a starter in this league. He will be a starting quarterback next year, whether it be San Francisco or somewhere else. And I think, um, I think he showed a lot. And then at the end, when it really mattered, he showed why he was sort of who he thought he was all along. Right. For a second there, you were sort of like, oh, he has the it factor. He makes the plays when it counts. You know, the week 18 drive against the Rams. Uh, he showed a lot of heart in the Cowboys and Packers games, you know, in, in sort of weird games. And he managed to get it done. And in the end, he kind of reminds you, yeah, this is the reason why, you know, Shanahan and, and the 49ers were looking to get somebody else, because maybe there's a reason why you can't get over the hump. And so I think, um, you know, unlike the Chiefs, the Niners can walk out of the season with their heads held high. Um, I think they exceeded expectations, even though at first it looked like they were going to be below expectations. You know, they ended up being a great team. The second best team in the NFC, as weird as that sounds to say, even now. But look, they they made the most out of the season. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they look like next year, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, completely. I don't expect Jimmy G. I also never expected him whether like as amazing as this run was, it wasn't necessarily on the back of him. So I didn't think even if they won the Super Bowl, they would bring him back. It's weird as that would sound. I think it would just drive up his trade price and his trade value because when you go two first rounders, I just don't see how you can sit Trey Lance. I, I, think, there, I think there could have been, you know, this is all hypothetical now, yeah. but I think there could have been a like, are we because are we entirely sure? that Trey Lance is even ready to start next year. You know, Jordan Love has now sat two years. Like, I think, um, you know, a lot of guys, it doesn't happen a lot anymore, but guy, because, you know, of the benefits of the rookie contract thing. But I don't know. I mean, it's definitely plausible that this team will take a step back next year because of the uncertainty surrounding Trey Lance. And so I think there could have been a scenario where where he was, he started and maybe either came out halfway through the year or played the entire year. But now I think, yeah, I think he's probably on his way out. You know, you look at New Orleans, maybe you look at Tampa. I don't know. Yeah, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. How funny would that be? You know, <laughs> that would be so funny if Jimmy G replaced Tom Brady in Tampa and Bill that Belichick really is just that. sitting there, just like that'd be fitting. This is what I wanted. This is what I finally, wanted. finally, he, he gets it done. Um, so I think it could go any number of ways. That'll be a really fun team to follow in the off season. But then as for the Rams, yeah. So let's talk about Odell because I was. I'm, imp- I'm freaking impressed with what I've seen from Odell and the Rams. I think he kind of shows, he kind of reminds me, interestingly enough, of Jarvis Landry and sort of what he does for the Rams in the sense that he's like, he's really sure-handed. Like how, like, how about the catches where he reaches up where it's a bullet coming in and he reaches up full extension and pulls it in and then takes a hit. That's a really hard play that a lot of guys don't make. And this guy makes it. He makes a lot of toe taps and bounds. He gets hit. He gets, you know, unnecessary roughness, helmet to helmet. He holds on to it. I was like, there's no way he held on to this one. Sure enough, he comes up with it and plus 15 on the end of the play. I've been really, really impressed with this guy. I like what he brings a lot to the team. I think he's a big reason, especially in the wake of the Robert Woods season-ending injury. I think he's a very, very big reason why he's in the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, there's another receiver who's a bigger reason, Mr. Cooper Cup. But I just wanted to – he was someone that I was really impressed with watching this game. I just – what a redemption story for Odell. I actually kind of like the guy now. He's definitely become more likable, especially, you know, after that Jimmy Ward point, I saw a bunch of like, I follow a bunch of Giants people. And it's like, you know, the old Odell would have gone and tried to fight him or just gotten in his yeah. face or whatever. Odell is just like taking, he's like, ref, why are you not, why are you not calling this a foul? Like, yeah. like what, what's all this? Or just to Jimmy Ward, why are you doing this? I'm on the ground. Um, but no, I completely agree. And since the trade or since the, he got released from the Browns, I thought, you know, this guy that still has, still has something left in the tank. I still think enough to be a wide receiver two on a team. And that it was just a bad situation with him and the Browns. And he's come out and he's proven that. 
the thing is that he does have those amazing catches and you know you think about the catch that he's had you know the one-handed against Dallas that in four or five years ago but there's also those times where it feels like the easy ones and I I don't want to I don't want to bash him because but there are just times that I know as a Giants fan, where I watch and felt like easy ones, they let's let's it go. But when he's in this rhythm, it feels like yeah, he but I feel everything. Like that that's what I actually had a very similar conversation with someone else, and I was like, "Yeah, he's shorthanded," and someone was like, "Yeah, but he drops the easy one." But I think if you sort of like if you almost consider Odell to be like a reborn player ever since the Rams thing, I feel like that hasn't been that big of a problem. And so maybe I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt on a small sample size. But um, I have been impressed. And one more Odell point. I was thinking about this. Is it unfair to say that if he signed with the Packers over the Rams, they'd be in the Super Bowl instead? Because, you know, Rodgers is only throwing to two guys. Yeah, I don't don't think think it's unfair at all. So what what if he had Odell, had a little bit of trust in Odell, and was throwing to him on some of these times? And so I think it's entirely possible that the Packers would be in the Super Bowl instead had Odell signed there. No, I agree. This has been the this has been the problem. Meanwhile, like while the Packers are losing to the 49ers and can't get anything going on offense because they're double teaming Devontae Adams and he's got to check down to Aaron Jones or they're they're focusing on him. You've got just, you know, Aaron, you've got Jordan Love sitting on the bench, a first rounder sitting on the bench. You got AJ Dillon who's banged up, but it's still just you can't have you you're not focusing on him that much. Meanwhile, you got, like we said, T. Higgins, who was taking six picks after Jordan Love. That you could have had on your team. Imagine T. Right. Higgins and Devontae Adams, Michael Pittman, Devontae Adams. Like there were a significant amount of guys that are quality wide receivers in the league right now in their second right, season bro. that could have very much helped the Packers in that in that wild card round or in the divisional round or even last year in the conference championship. Meanwhile, Jordan Love is sitting on the bench. And when you don't go out and you don't go and and send some money to or send the amount of money that you needed for Odell, or maybe Odell just wanted the 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 LA lifestyle as opposed to Green Bay, which is very valid. But that those are the difference makers, and meanwhile you see the Rams, where Von Miller and Odell coming up big because these midseason moves. And Matthew Stafford, I mean, yesterday I believe or two days ago was two was the year anniversary where they actually traded for Matthew Stafford. It felt very fitting that they end up going to the NFC Ch- or to the Super Bowl the year after it happens. But that's those are the teams that I root for. Like I'm in a dynasty league, and you know there's somebody that was competing for a championship this year, but they also held one of the top picks that in our rookie draft coming up. And I'm like, I'm not rooting for this guy. If you're going to tank, yeah. I'll root for you. But if yeah, you're well, going for the title, I'm, I'm going to root for you there. If you're going, if you're, if you have a top pick as well as going for it, I'm going to root for you against you in both those instances. Well, you know, you know, you, you, you want to have it all right. You, you always want to have it all. And I think, um, I think sometimes it works. I lot the chiefs had a contender drafted Patrick Mahomes once the next level. A more extreme example is like the Celtics, you know, hold on to the number one pick in 86, draft Len Bias, he dies, and that's sort of the end of their dynasty. So it obviously can go either way. But no, I agree. I think it's great to see teams that go all in get rewarded, right? And I think that, you know, we've seen that with the two teams that have made the Super Bowl this year. Um, And so I think, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's really crazy to sort of like take a step back and think like, wow, one of these two teams is actually going to win the Super Bowl. Because I think, you know, the Bengals preseason or at any point, it would have been insane to say that. I think the Rams during some of their really low points, it would have been wild to say that. So it's, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, one of these teams is actually going to win it all. The Bengals I saw had the same odds as the Jags to win the to win the Super Bowl before the season. It's, it's it's so sad because I considered myself somewhat of a Bengals guy all year and yet here they are in the Super Bowl and I didn't even make a lot of money on it, on it. If anything I probably lost money on it. Very disappointing. Yeah, um let's go to Cooper Cup because he was shorthanded. He was, you know, it was a third and well I'm trying to get the exact play. Um I, I got it right here. Where is it? 
uh, nope, not that one. It was third and where the hell is it? Third and three, San Fran 37, and there's 326 left. So you're right at that point in the fourth quarter where if you pick this up, you can milk a lot more clock or you have to kick a 53-yard field, 54-yard field goal. And Stafford throws an absolute bullet and gets right by the defender, right into Cooper Cup's shore hands where he's been, what he's been all season. I mean, the third downs, uh, specifically towards the end of the game where he found Cooper Cup is why this guy has been the top wide receiver in the NFL and is why, you know, people have put him up there as the wide receiver one when you consider the entirety of the landscape of the wide receiver position. But it's not the flashy stuff. It's just he's reliable. He's shorthanded. He's a great route runner and run after catch, all of the different things. It's not the flashiest, but he gets the job done. And he did that in this game. Yeah, I mean, the Rams scored 20 points, two touchdowns, and, you know, surprise, surprise, he scored them both. Um, it's not, you know, you, you look at his numbers from the last two weeks, and I would I would include the whole playoffs, but the Arizona game was just five for 60 for a touchdown, and considering how much they won by, there's a reason that he didn't do as much as he needed to do. But the last two weeks, 20 catches, 325 yards, and three touchdowns in two weeks. It's insane. It's unbelievable. It's insane. Like, you – this is why it's so tough. I can't say like, Oh, wide receiver one. I just think tiers have to be put in place. And you like, all these guys are on the same tier. And if you don't have this guy in this tier, that's where we have an argument. It's him, Tyree kill Devonte Adams. I, I, I want to put Deandre Hopkins in there, but Deandre Hopkins has been injured. And it's just, I think you have to knock him down there. I think it's those top three right there for me. And I, I really think it's a pretty clear cut list at this point when it comes to right after the season, like with the season pretty much over at this point. It's been very impressive where you look at where this guy was to begin the season. We all knew he was a solid wide receiver, but to get to these extremes where he is amongst a Devontae Adams or a Tyree Kill, I don't think anybody would have predicted that. No, definitely not. I mean, we like we knew he was reliable. We knew he was good. He was putting up a thousand yard seasons with golf, but you know, basically a two thousand yard season here. It's it's, it's really really crazy. Um, yeah, it's like you said, you know, it's nice to see the Rams get rewarded for going all in, um, you know, Ramsey, Donald, um, Von Miller, um, and, you know, Stafford, of course, Odell. Yep. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like a super, super team feel to it, but it actually worked out. And um, yeah, you know, good for them. And again, I hope it shows teams that there's a lot of benefit to going all in, you know, trade your picks. And when, you know, when you can compete, it's time to compete because those windows are small and, you know, you can't always have it both ways. Agreed. Last thing I'll say is Kyle Shanahan, a collapse, another one. This, this is yeah, well, you know, you know, who, where, where, where you were winning and all of this and you were controlling the game. You, they weren't really getting anything. And then you come down to, you know, that fourth and two. That fourth and two right at the mid, at midfield. Yeah, you know, we haven't talked about. You know, we, we love to talk about decision making here. I was on the Rams, and it's so funny because McVeigh, who the reason I almost stopped you there on the Shanahan thing is that I agree that that Shanahan didn't have a great game, but McVeigh had a worse game. Honestly. Oh yeah. yeah. So so I Mc, Shanahan almost gets a pass from me because it's like if you if if you had won. The I'd be much more willing to rip McVeigh, who I think was worse in the game. And so it's so funny. McVeigh throws that challenge on the fourth and two as they're lined up to punt. And I'm like, I've seen this movie before. First of all, there's no way this is getting overturned. And now they're going to go for it and get it and win the game because it's just like a butterfly effect of mistakes. Yeah. And they line up for it out of the fourth. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to go for it and get it. As I said, and sure enough, 
They just take the delay and punt it. Yeah, I thought that was really, really soft. Really soft. I mean, look, if you I as another Rams backer, I was so happy and so relieved when they when it got down to double zeros there and the delay game happened. I don't understand why they wouldn't. They have a great offensive line. You've got, you know, a, the, the best run blocking tight end in the NFL, and you've got a solid run game, a very good run game, and it's two yards. And you know, 10 for what is it, 1001 left in the fourth. You are up, what is it, four, 17 to 14. I just felt like that would have been a, a very monumental point and, and it would have been enough to, you know, your defense is playing well enough. You're keeping out of the end zone. If you can get a six point lead, just get right towards field goal range. If you could get that six point lead and you're pretty much showing yourself up there. And in the fact that you didn't have enough faith there, I mean, it didn't bite them when they did against the Cowboys. It almost did like when they did like the Cowboys game in the wild card weekend, but that was because they already had put them so far behind where it didn't but end up biting them, thankfully. But in this one, they didn't. They were only up by three at that point. They tried to play conservative. And I, I just don't, I just don't, I just that that was just that was, that was very that was very surprising to me that they didn't go for it. It was, it, it was a bad decision. And it's funny because I remember when they played Tennessee on that Thursday night game, there was like a fourth and one, and they were gonna go for it, got a penalty, still went for it on fourth and six, and then went like and then didn't get it. And I wonder if that just sort of like scared Shanahan off going for it for the rest of the year I, that would be really I mean as I know a, I know but but you but I don't I'm trying to just I, I know I get it like, if, I'm a, if I'm an opposing fan I love that like I yeah. loved I love not having to deal with that big offensive line and Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle coming at me and Debo Samuel is a good blocking wide receiver coming at me I mean if you give you give Debo that ball how many times out of 10 do you think Debo's getting there I gotta say like eight I mean, considering it's, it seems like every time I watch Debo, he gets a million yards. Look, the Rams did have a great run defense yeah. and it was on, it was, it was on display on both second and third down on that very same drive. But I still think, look, even if you got stopped the last two plays, you got to feel good that they're not going to do it three straight times. I mean, I can't believe they didn't go for it. And, you know, it is hard not to look at that moment and say that was probably a pretty big mistake. The McVeigh point of it, part of it is, you know, he was absolutely awful, but he just gets a pass at this point because they won. But yeah, winners I mean, win, the, man. You, you know, and, and, the first and, one was the Stafford, first one. I think was might have been even worse than the second one. The first one where the it like it was, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, the fumble where it looked it, there was nothing, there was no, <laughs> there was no movement. Like, and, and so, and so we come out of this game, you know, we come out of this game praising McVeigh and praising Stafford. But there's an alternate universe where Shanahan goes for it or Tart catches, you know, one of the easier interception opportunities a DB will ever get. And, and, and we're saying, fire McVay, and you should have never traded for Stafford, and Goff got further, and, you know, this and the other. And it just goes to show that, you know, uh, you know history is written by the winners, as they say. And, and that's sort of why, you know, I'm not going to rip McVay, and I'm going to say that the Stafford thing was a success. But, again, there are a lot of, you know, butterfly effect moments there of what could have been. You got to feel for the – you got to feel for Jaquisti. Jaquisti – Quisky Tart, I think is how you say his yeah, first name. Yeah. You got to feel for him, man. That, that is just a tough one. That's why he plays defense, but that is a tough one. Yeah, you because know, and then Ramsey dropped field. one. Ramsey dropped one right after, and it does, you know, that uh, I remember on the Manning cast, and they were like, oh, they play defense because they have no hands and whatever, whatever. And you kind of laugh it off, but then you see like a bunch of these, and you're like, yeah, that probably has a little something to do with it. These guys really can't catch. Goes to just goes to show like, Part of the reason that Trayvon Diggs has as many picks as he has is just because he's capable of catching the ball. Yep. No, exactly. And that's just so tough. I mean, we talk about the Tyree kill one and rightfully so that was, that was another turning point where, you know, they're, they're up 17 to 14. I think it was on that ensuing drive where, you know, Stafford tried to throw it up there and, uh, and, you know, just absolutely fumbled the bag there. 
the last the main th- point that I saw with the whole Shanahan point, and this is I think the last point I'll bring up for the game is Debo Samuel's last touch of the game was with 1242 left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That is that is just unacceptable. Was that there is just unacceptable? Was there like was there injury there? You know, because I knew he was hobbling the week prior, and you know he de- he doesn't get it on the fourth and two. He he doesn't get it for the rest of the game, and I don't know if it's injury or what. And then he's like crying after the game, and it's like you know I honestly fell for him more than Tart honestly because Tart you know at least it was in his own power to sort of correct it, and Debo is just so, so so dynamic all year. And then when it comes down to it, he can't get his hands on the ball for reasons out of his control. And I thought that was just crazy. So I 100% agree. You know, again as a Rams backer, you know they always say do what the opponent doesn't want you to do. And I wanted them to punt and I wanted Debo Samuel to stay far away from the ball. And that's exactly what happened. He looked fine when he caught that screen pass and ran it for a touchdown. That, that's <laughs> awesome. So Amen. I don't think it was injury. He looked fine when he did that in the fourth quarter. I think that was the last touch he had was that touchdown yeah. pass. As, as weird as it sounds, let me double check when exactly that touchdown happened. No, it's very true. He looked pretty, he looked good to go on that no, play. No. Oh, no, 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 that was in the second quarter. But you looked fine in that one. So, I, I don't know. It's definitely dumbfounding to me. But uh, do you have anything else on this game? Otherwise, we'll close this one out. Yeah, we'll close it out until next week where we preview the Super Bowl. Yep, we'll be back, I believe, Thursday will be the day that we'll actually come and preview the pod on uh, for that. We won't be having a Thursday pod this week, and we won't have a Monday pod. Obviously, we're not going to recap the, the Pro Bowl. I mean, uh, if people want it, maybe we would. But uh, I doubt anybody wants to hear a, a recap of the Pro Bowl. But- I'll recap it, but I won't watch it. <laughs> That'll, that'll be some great insight to, to recap the promo <laughs> and not watch a second of it. But until Thursday, when we preview our next Thursday, when we preview the Super Bowl, thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week.